with beer. Welcome, podcast kittens. It's Kathy Cat and Lady Bear coming at you with yet another mind-ruining installment of Cat with Beard. Should have said mind-ruining. I was going to pick a different verb, but I couldn't think. Mind-ruining installment. Think of one in the uh, heat of the moment. But we've been ruining the the camera and the floor with beans on the yeah. last episode. Yeah, there were beans everywhere. We can't beans move our chairs because there's beans everywhere, everywhere. Everywhere. But we found out about Lady Beard and the baby beard story. Yes, yes, yes. The baby did. beard legacy mm. starting off tough time in school. But yeah. now mm. you're about 16. Mm. You have now your first black belt in yeah, martial it's good. arts. It's good, it's good, it's good, it's good, it's good. So what happened then? I uh, so get out of high school. Then I go to university, which was drama school in my case because I went through acting school. So go through that the whole time. I'm training various martial arts the whole time. So here's what happened, right? I get out of acting school. Going to be an actor. In high school, my original dream was to be a heavy metal singer, but I couldn't scream. So there Ooh. goes that dream, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, so all right. Oh, you can do that now, right? I can do that now. We'll get to that part of the story. Mm-hmm. But so, okay, so be an actor because that's, you know, really the only thing I thought I could do um, and not just hate every moment of life is the only thing I had any talent in, the only thing I was any good at, the only thing that uh, made me not go, oh, my Lord, I hate this so much. I originally, martial art and drama. Yeah, exactly. Sure. But martial arts, there's not, um, unless you're going to be a professional fighter or an instructor, there's not much of a career to have there, right? Mm, fair enough. I'm not good enough to be a fighter. Mm. If you're an instructor, then it's not about the martial arts, it's about teaching. Oh, so that's a different enough, thing, yeah. right? Yeah. And then you have to deal with them little kids again. Well, or whoever you're teaching, but mm. it's not about, you know, it's not about your training anymore. Mm. It's about teaching other people. It's other know? people's so, trainings, yeah. So that's a different skill set, you know. Mm. So performing was the only thing I thought I could do and not just hate life. So I'm like, all right, I'm going to do that. Now, all right, so uh, in Australia, this is back before we had a lot of internet. It's back mm. on the days of TV and so forth. Um, so, so, so. There was, when I had been growing up, there had been a law in Australia that on our broadcasters, 30% of all the content on a broadcaster had to be Australian produced, right? Oh, okay. So that protected the Australian industry, right? Mm -hmm. Now, in 2003, they signed some fair trade agreement, which abolished that law. Okay. So that was 2003. So now for all the broadcasters, it was much cheaper and easier to just buy content from the US and the UK yeah, than it was to produce it. Yeah, that's already pre-made and you don't have exactly. to make it. So much easier and cheaper and faster, right? Mm. That happened in 2003. I finished mm. acting school in 2004. Oh. So suddenly the career goal was not... Off I go into a career which is already super competitive and there's not mm. very many jobs. And now there's really no jobs in Australia. <sighs> So it really was something like I got out of acting school and everyone was like, there's not much going on. Occasionally it was like someone who was a professional actor might do a commercial once a year. Mm. We had like two soap operas and then the regular cast for that were constantly employed. There was some, you know, theater stuff sometimes, a handful of movies, but there was just no jobs, right? I, I just remember, like, I loved watching Australian uh, TV shows you as a kid. Neighbors, yeah. No, Neighbors. Ocean Girl was one of them. Oh, those. Ocean Girl! I loved Ocean Girl. No joke, really. Yeah, they played that in Germany on Nickelodeon. Really? Yeah. Ocean Girl is about a girl who swims she's and is friends with a dolphin. She's a mermaid, I think. She's, she's yeah, an ex mermaid like or something. Something like that. Something I don't like remember that, that clearly. Aussie anymore. show. We Ocean have a lot of water for a big island. Yeah, but a couple of, like, kids' shows are. <laughs> really good, the Australian ones. Yeah, we had some good stuff. But um, that was back when it was uh, mandated that they had to protect our industry. But then Alex they didn't Mack anymore. from Australia too? I'm sorry? Alex Mack. What happened to... Alex Mack? This is like a girl who had like superpowers. 
I remember Alex Mack. I can't remember where she's from. She might be Aussie. Maybe. Yeah, put a, a, put a comment in the YouTube, friends, please, if you know Alex Mack. Please comment, yeah, if or you know Aussie that one. Is that, so there were a couple of cool shows, but you said mm. probably by the time you graduated, all that production in Australia, they stopped. They just got stuff from abroad. Pretty much. Pre-made. Pretty much. Um, okay, so I get out of it. All right, so I moved from Adelaide to Melbourne to mm. go get an acting agent there, go to be an actor. Audition, audition, audition. No jobs, no jobs, no jobs. I remember auditioning for a role in this movie and then seeing like a year or two years later when the movie came out, the guy who got the role was like an Aussie celebrity. So I'm like, oh, well, I'm a school leaver auditioning enough. against yeah. celebrities. There's no, no way. Fair, you know, not there's just, fair. there's no way, right? Mm. So... All right, but so what I was also doing in Melbourne, though, was I was training in Hong Kong-style cinematic action with this Aussie who had spent nine years on the Jackie Chan stunt team. Okay, so how did you get into that? So uh, um, one of my mates from drama school, during drama school, he had done an exchange, kind of university exchange thing when he went to Shanghai, did some theater stuff there. He then went to Hong Kong just for a holiday. He's rocking around Hong Kong. He recognized an old... English actor who had been in an old Bruce Lee film on the street. Wow. And said, can we hang out? Tell me stories about Bruce and whatnot. The guy said, yes. He said, introduced him to other contacts and whatnot. So he got some contacts and through, and he met this dude who was this Aussie who'd been on the Jackie Chan stunt team. Um, and then, uh, and then, uh, yeah. So then he introduced him to me. So when we were at the end of drama school, yeah, I met him. Uh, when we were on our showcase tour, which is when we went to Sydney and Melbourne and we performed for all the acting agents in the country. And then, you know, if they picked the actors that they liked, um, he came to our showcase in Melbourne and I had a little martial arts bit in there on the same tour. I went out and I kind of auditioned for his team. Oh. He said, yep, I'll have you on my team. If you move to Melbourne, I'll have you on my team. So mm-hmm. I, I got my agent in Melbourne too. So it was a clear choice to move to Melbourne. Mm-hmm. So Whilst I was in Melbourne doing awful day jobs and auditioning and getting rejected from acting roles, I was also training with this guy. So what happened was, um, I did an audition for something, something. I remember at the audition after my first take, they said, that was perfect. And then I still didn't get the job. <laughs> so I remember I'm there at his house one night after training, complaining to him. I'm going, how can it be perfect? And you still don't get the job. That's mm. absurd. What am I supposed to do? He said, you know what you should do? You should move to Hong Kong. Because mm. you go to Hong Kong because you're a minority in Hong Kong. Your pool of competition is so much smaller. Mm. He said, you've got the skills. You learn quickly. Um, you know, I'd trained with him for a year. So I kind of, and he you know, taught me through a lot of the Hong Kong kind of stuff. Mm. So he said, Here's what you should do. You should go to... Now, this actually, this is very interesting. This happened as well. I did an audition for an Aussie TV show, uh, which everyone in my state knows. It's called McLeod's Daughters. And like everyone in Adelaide has, who has ever done anything to do with acting has been on the show, except for me. So <laughs> I had my audition for this, uh, McLeod's Daughters. The casting agent for this show, I'm so grateful to this woman because no one before or since has ever done this for me. After the audition, she called me and gave me feedback. Mm-hmm. And she's like, we can see that you're good. We can see that you're well-trained and you're fit and you're all those wonderful things. Problem is you don't have any experience. Oh. So she said, no, you need to get yourself some experience. And then from our perspective, you'll be employable. Mm. And now she even said, we understand this is a catch 22 because how do you get experience if people like us don't give you experience? Mm. But that's our feedback for you. Take it and do with that as you will. So um, uh, this trainer who I was working with, he was like, you go to Hong Kong. You're a minority, so your pool of competition is much smaller. You can go there, just stay there for a few months, do some bits and pieces and some movies and TV, get experience, Aww. then come back to Australia, you'll be more employable. So that was always the plan. I was going to go for three months and then come back, um, just try and do a couple of movies and whatnot. I went there. There was so much more opportunity for me there than uh, it was at home mm-hmm. that I ended up staying in Hong Kong for six years. Oh, 
Right. Yeah. So that's how it all that's ties how it together. Happen. That's how you ended up in Hong Kong. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So you you arrive in Hong Kong. Now the new chapter, the no the new Lady Beard chapter opens. You are in Hong Kong. Bam. Probably very different from Adelaide. Very, very different from Adelaide. Uh, it was a difficult move. I was there totally by myself. Mm. So it was moved over. It was like my first place I lived in. I had like a, a homeless man and rats like oh. right outside my Whoa. apartment. It was awful, right? Well, I hope the but, rats were also outside the apartment. Uh, they were most for the most part. Oh, God. Yeah. So <laughs> it was a rough move. <laughs> it was a rough move. But, you know, fi- it took about six months to kind of emotionally figure it out. But I figured it out. Sorted out a life in Hong Kong. Things are going great in Hong Kong. Went very well there for a while. And then we had that 2008 financial crisis, and that ruined everything. Oh, so you so were, was a, you, everything was going well. You might have uh, stayed in Shanghai, but the crisis happened. What, Kong, how does that yeah. affect you? Well, okay. Yeah, so I was in Hong Kong for a bit. Went to the Philippines for a bit, did stuff there. Back to Hong Kong, doing a bunch of stuff in Hong Kong. It was awesome. Crisis happened, and it was um, pretty, yeah, it was pretty awful, actually, because I was, I think, 25. And I was like, well, I actually did it. I'm actually a full-time actor. As mm. in, that's how yeah, I make my living. Yeah, you finally reached the goal, right? I was so happy. I'm like, that's, you know, a lot of people who, oh, I'm my mates and whatnot, they would call themselves actors, but really they were bartenders who did a commercial once a year, right? Mm. But I was actually, it was my full-time job. That's how I made my living. I was so happy about it, right? Mm. And then this financial crisis happens and just overnight, I'm not an actor anymore. It's just gone. Oh, man. So it was so strange because mm. I remember, I remember... Whatever day the crisis happened, of course, there's a difference in the time between America and Hong Kong. And so I get an email from my boss after work and it's like something like, yeah, all the projects have been postponed indefinitely. And then like we see him a few days later in the office and he's like, yeah, yeah, because I was dubbing anime into English mainly Mm. at the time. He's like, "Um, yeah, every sector's been affected by this financial crash. We don't know what's going to happen. So if you can find other ways to make income, do it. Mm. And I'm like, what? I remember being so confused. Mm. I remember going, hang on, stop, and trying to understand the financial crisis. Mm. And I'm going, so you're telling me a bunch of of bank people in America gave loans to people who couldn't pay them back, and then Iceland defaulted on its national debt and now I, as a young actor and stuntman in Hong Kong, am unemployed. I'm like, what are you talking about? I'm so confused, right? But anyway, it happened. And for a little while, it was kind of like, all right, well, I guess we're just hanging out until this all sorts Lose itself out because we thought it was, was going to sort itself yeah. out. And then it didn't. Mm. So it's kind of, you know, like one month goes by and just kind of living off savings. You're like, all right. Three months goes by. You're like, all right, starting to get a little bit concerning, but okay. Mm. A year goes by, you're like, what the hell is going on, right? Mm. So I kind of, I uh, um, I was like, all right, look, this, whatever was in Hong Kong for me mm. is not here anymore. Mm. So I got to figure something out. All right. So now at home, things are even worse than they were at home after the financial oh. crisis. Now there's really no work, right? Mm. So I'm like, all right, well, there's nothing going on in Hong Kong anymore. There's really nothing going on at home anymore. At mm-hmm. least in Hong Kong, I have the minority factor. So when there is an opportunity, I don't have much competition, right? Mm. So I'm like, all right. But there wasn't really enough work to sustain anything. So I'm like, okay, okay so what am I going to do now? So I went through uh, all these very, I went through a lot of kind of soul searching and long walks of thinking about what the hell I'm going to do. It sounds like there's another Lady Beard training montage there. Well, yeah, exactly. It was much slower it was slower and uh more tragic and um uh also in the midst of all of it i had a really awful health problem Mm. which i 
I didn't have private health insurance in Hong Kong. Oh, so, oh, oh gosh, yeah. And of course, it's. Uh, I don't think I was like. I, I don't think I got any kind of government health insurance or anything. Mm. So I just went. Whoa! I just won't treat it. Mm. So therefore, I was you know, had, a, had an awful health situation. I'm not going to go into details, but it was pretty awful, right? So you're battling on different fronts all over Yeah, it again. was pretty. It was awful. So I was in a lot of pain, and I was like, "What the? What am I going to do?" Mm-hmm. And so, uh, yeah. Then randomly during this time, I was at a uh, had a bunch of experiences, and uh, uh, had a bunch of experiences. I, I went cross dressing for the first time in Hong Kong. Oh, okay. Prior to the financial crisis. Mm-hmm. And because it's such a conservative society, compared with when I just want to dress and it was really funny at home, now in Hong Kong, because they are so conservative, they're oh. like, wow, that were really, it was mind-blowing for them. So right? was, it, was that like a, a, a kind of fun war? Yeah. Or more yeah, of was, a no-thang war? No, no, a very, very fun war. Okay, good. Provided good. it was in the right context and environment, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, they would be like, you're the craziest, the most funny, you're the most amazing person I've ever seen. And mm. I was like, it's not that amazing. I was put on a dress. It's just a stupid, funny thing. They're like, no, it's amazing. So I'm like, okay. So, so you started, the, so the cross-dressing started in Hong Kong. Well, no, I was, I had done, I'd been cross-dressing since I was 14 because okay. oh, well, school, my sister's school dressed to a friend's birthday party once and it was really funny. Mm-hmm. And so I just casually at, you know, concerts and parties and whatnot, all throughout high school and university and whatnot, I'd... Um, had a series of dresses that I wore sometimes, and it was just funny. Okay. But then in Hong Kong, it, became, it was like in Hong Kong. It became like a thing. In Hong Kong, it became a thing mm-hmm. because it was it was the first night I did it was at this um, big international rock and roll show, and uh, I got so much positive attention. Mm-hmm. It was remarkable, and oh, I was wonderful. like, "This is something else." Um, so when you know things fell apart from a career perspective, I was like, "All right, well." They all seem to really love when I wear a dress here. So maybe there's something that can be somehow done with that somehow. And so I was trying to figure out somehow something that would work. Combining, I mean, like you, you combined first the, the martial arts, you combined that with acting. Yep. And now you were thinking of how can I combine that with cross-dressing? Yeah, pretty much. And not necessarily because I was like, I love cross-dressing and I want to be a cross-dresser full-time. I was just trying to figure something out, right? Mm-hmm. And so... Yeah, then at a heavy metal show, I saw, I randomly saw this kid wearing a t-shirt that said Hong Kong Pro Wrestling Federation. Mm-hmm. And I, so I spoke to him about it and he's like, yeah, I'm a wrestler. We have a wrestling fed. Do you want to come to training? I was like, yeah, okay. Because I was always interested in pro wrestling. Oh, okay, okay. But in Adelaide, the gyms were all miles away. So I never mm-hmm. had access to them, right? Mm-hmm. So, okay. So I go to this wrestling club. Because of my martial arts and stunt background, I got the physical stuff relatively quickly. Mm-hmm. And... um wasn't long after that that it was like, okay, cool. Now, now you're going to have a match. We're doing a show. You're going to have a match. Okay, cool. All right. What do you want your gimmick to be? And I said, oh, yeah, what do you, what do you want your wrestling gimmick. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What character do you want to have? And I was like, now, everyone else in the club, there were all these Hong Kong boys and every one of them had the same gimmick. I am a wrestler. That was their gimmick. Oh, right? okay. So, so I'm like, okay. All right. I, I'm like, all right. What do my gimmick to be? I said, I think I want to try this. I'm going to put on uh, uh, a dress and I'm going to put my hair in these little pigtails. I had short hair at the time, so mm-hmm. I just had like little pigtails, sort of like spikes all over my head. Mm-hmm. And I said, I, I'm going to be called Ladybeard. And they were like, uh, okay. They're like, witnessing the birth of Ladybeard. They're like, that's the most ridiculous thing I ever heard. But, you know, it's, you know, I'm like, nah, we'll be good. We'll do, you know, do a comedy match and we'll do man in skirt humor. And also foreigner speaks bad Cantonese humor and it'll, you know, you know. And so I went in 
and I was planning to be a heel, so heels of the bad guys in wrestling matches, right? I'm like, yeah, Lady Bib with this heel, everyone will hate me, it'll look like I'm wearing a skirt, everyone will hate it, bad Cantonese, uh. Go in there, first match, they loved it. <laughs> loved it. Overnight, most popular wrestler in Hong Kong. What? Yeah. No way! And I was like, oh my awesome. god, someone else made my first ever like Facebook page for me. Mm -hmm. Like after that first match, someone was like, why is there no Lady Book fan page? And they made a Lady Beard fan page for me. Whoa. Yeah. And um, I'm like, oh my god, okay. Well, the perhaps I've found the solution to my problems. Mm. And we went from there. That's the birth of Ladybeard. That's, that's the official birth of Ladybeard, yeah. The official birth of Ladybeard. So yeah. was that during, after, or, or before the, the whole shock crisis? It was after the financial crisis. Mm -hmm. So, uh, uh, yeah, so the financial crisis happened, what, the back end of 2008? Mm. And so that would have been 2009. Mm, so yeah. you found something after the long walks trying to find yourself. The only thing you had to find was Ladybeard. Yeah, pretty much, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was beautiful. That was another motivational quote yes. <laughs> for your YouTube Shorts channel. Yes, find the ladybeard within yourself. <laughs> yeah, and you found the ladybeard. What happened then? That was that was a very deep, serious talk. Was that the most really serious, deep, serious like, and, and stone face serious. I've ever been on this podcast? Yes, I apologize to anyone listening. Serious, but I find it like really interesting. It's very interesting, right? Because ladybeard, the whole thing is very kind of kawaii, and it's all about making other people happy and so forth. But it's actually birthed from. Um, absolute uh, work, dedication, uh, and just overcoming struggles, pain. It was born, birth through pain, through losing, you know, my career, losing everything, having this awful health problem. I didn't have the money to fix it. It's like, what am I gonna? It seems like you were a phoenix. You kind of like burned, but then you came back. Well, thank you. I uh, hope so. Hope so. Oh, that's, that's, you know, sometimes the toughest times shape us into the best lady bits that we can be. Well, the toughest times definitely shape you into something, don't mm. they? Whether they destroy you or they forge you, mm. they, they, definitely they do that's something. That's the point. Something to you. So, you started Ladybeard. You are still in Hong Kong. Yeah. How do you come to Japan then? Started Ladybeard. Started the wrestling. That goes really well. Okay. Uh, I had this music project I wanted to do, singing heavy metal covers of Cantonese pop songs. Oh. So, all right. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to do that as Ladybeard, that I can bring my fan base from the wrestling over to the music stuff. And I can mix and match the two so I can sing in the ring and do all this kind You're of stuff. You're coming back to your original dream that you had in teenage years of being in a metal band. Yes, because interestingly, ah, oh, interestingly, back when I was dubbing before the financial crisis, uh, I couldn't scream, but then dubbing taught me how to scream. Oh. From dubbing monsters or doing monster voices like this, this taught me how to scream, mm -hmm. right? So once I could do that, I was like, oh my god, I can scream, yay, I can do my heavy metal dream. So mm -hmm. I went and started singing in bands and whatnot in Hong Kong and so forth. So I had this heavy metal project I want to do. I said, I'm going to do this as Ladybeard, bring the same fan base with me. Mm -hmm. And um, did that, started that in Hong Kong, that went well. Wasn't long after that, so that was 2010 I think I started that. Not long after that, I toured to Taiwan. I said, yeah, because we had an opportunity to wrestle in Taiwan. So I said, okay, cool. So I'll learn a bunch of Mandarin songs and I'll go and do a music tour as well as the wrestling show. Mm -hmm. Did that in Taiwan. And then one of the things that gave me the confidence to try Lady Beard in the first place, because one of the things I got told by people in Hong Kong, people in show business in Hong Kong, they're like, um, a lot of people recommended I didn't try this Lady Beard thing. Because oh. they're like, you'll always be in the minds of casting people you'll always be that dude who put on the dress mm -hmm. and regardless of what else happens you'll be the dude in the dress and we like well we can't give him the job because he's the dude who put on the dress mm -hmm. and there won't be 
any proper logic behind it, apart mm. from that where he put on a dress once, so we can't employ him, right? Mm. So it was recommended that I didn't try it, and I was like, well, really, you know, yeah, but they're not employing me anyway, mm. so I may as well try, right? So, um, uh, but a part of what gave me the confidence to do it was like, all right, doing this in Hong Kong, I could get to Taiwan relatively easily. If I can't get something properly going on here, well, screw it, man. I know I can always move to Japan because they're bonkers over there. They love, they love <laughs> hey! insane things. So, so basically I did. Basically I did. Hong Kong did the Taiwan tour. That kind of I figured out how to do a tour. I got back and I went, all right, I'm going to do a Japan tour. So I learned a bunch of Japanese songs. I couldn't speak Japanese at the time. Just mm -hmm. learned songs phonetically and learned my you know talking in between songs. Learned that phonetically too. Booked a tour, which was very hard when you don't speak Japanese and don't know anyone and don't know yeah. anything about the country. Connections and stuff. That was very hard, but I figured it out. Came to Japan 2011 or something. Had this you know little tour that I'd organized by myself. And whilst I didn't have big audiences or anything at any of these shows, the Japanese people who were there all loved the show. Mm. So it's you know me in pigtails and a skirt, and I'd sing um, uh, cover heavy metal covers of Japanese pop songs. Mm -hmm. So I'd start out with cute and everything, and then I'd start screaming, mm -hmm. and they found it really funny, hilarious. So did that, went really well. Uh, th the last show was on Okinawa, and my mate in Okinawa, Ooh. who had booked me the, the show, he's uh, driving me to the airport, I think, and he goes, all right, so what's the plan? And I'm like, I think I'm going to move to Tokyo and do Lady Bid full-time. Ooh! So, yeah. <laughs> So, so I made that decision right after the first ever Japan too. I was still in Japan when I made the decision. So I had to go back to Hong Kong, had to, you know, organize everything to leave there. Let's go back to Australia, spend some time there. And then I came over to Japan. And so the ladybird came to Japan. Mm. I like, you know what you're saying that these people were like, you shouldn't be doing it because people will always remember you as the guy who puts on the dress. I like the spin of, yes, people will always remember you mm. as the guy who puts on the dress. Mm. Like the negative has now turned to such a positive mm. that has made your name and your legacy that it's 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 almost impossible to think of Ladybeard as as not Ladybeard. Yeah. And this is something interesting that happened as well. This so back so just to clarify everyone listening, we live in a different time now from what we lived in back then. Ah. This is before any of the Caitlyn Jenner and any of the transgender type stuff we've had over the past 10 oh, years. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. None of that happens. So still, I'm do putting on a dress from a conservative perspective was still, ah! At, at the time, time like, that must have been super new and like really, really daring. And especially in Hong Kong, you see, especially doing it as a foreigner in Hong Kong, there's too many points of removal mm. from their kind of known experience for if mm. you're a casting person or something, right? So, um, uh, yeah, so there four, but it's an interesting thing because it was... It went from, as the world changed, and I did Ladybeard, and Ladybeard worked, and at the same time the rest of the world changed, mm. it then became, it went, it went from, well, don't be the dude who put on the dress, to the dude who put, put on, on the, the dress! dress! <laughs> it was a really interesting dynamic, actually, in mm. watching the world kind of shift. That's one of the very interesting things that happens when you do something like this. You have your journey of you moving through time and space, and then the world moves around you as mm. you move. Mm -hmm. um, that has been something to witness. Ooh, <laughs> so you touched down in Japan. <sighs> yeah. So we're opening now the next chapter. It's the Ladybeard in Japan chapter. Oh! Woo! Oh, the Ladybeard in Japan. Oh, it's... We've come. We've, we've fought battles. We've fought we fought battles in the school. We fought battles in the martial arts gyms. We fought 
battles in 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 Hong Kong in more martial arts. We bought battles and getting a job as an actor. We fought battles to become a lady beard. You are now a lady beard. You're going on tour. You come to Japan. You decided I stay here. I'll come here again. Yeah, and then you battle moving to Japan、mm. and figuring out Japan when it's so infinitely different from everything I'd ever experienced before. Because、mm-hmm. one of the interesting things, well, I'd lived in Hong Kong already, so I already lived overseas, and a lot of the things I looked at in Japan, I looked and I said. I can see certain similarities between Japanese culture and Hong Kong culture. Okay, I think、oh, I bumped the mic. I'm sorry. I think I can attempt Japan, but of course, now that I've been in Japan ten years, I understand those cultures are so remarkably different, and、mm. I really, you know, didn't understand Japan at all when I first got here. So you touched down. What did you do? Like, how did you find your way around? Like, you had everything set up. You left, in a way, you left an established life. Behind you、mm, yep. for coming to Japan. That's again, that's a big sacrifice because you just found yourself again.、Yep. You just found your income. You just found a means of being lady beard.、Yep. You just went on tour, and then you gave that all kind of up in order to come to Japan. How? Why? What? Well, I mean, I hadn't really found myself because I found myself, and then the financial crisis took myself away again.、Mm. You know what I'm saying? So therefore, I had to kind of find something else. Yeah, reinvent、so、yourself. That, I had to reinvent myself. So it was either I stay there and do it. Or I go to a different environment and do it.、Mm. So you know, I had to do something. So yeah, it's hard, man. It's really hard moving、mm. countries, especially when you keep moving countries. Oh you, gosh, yeah. You move once and then stay there. Then all right, cool.、Mm. There's your home, and then there's the other place, the new home. When you keep moving, there's you always have to think, what's the place I'm in now, and how do these people think as opposed to the last people? You know.、Mm. Uh, came to Japan, had a few contacts here from my tour.、Mm-hmm. Got in touch with them. A few of them were in, you know, rock and roll and so forth, and so I kind of spoke to them about how do I get into things, and they kind of gave various bits of advice.、Um, the wrestling, I kind of hustled the wrestling company that I wanted to work at through various contacts and contacts introduced to people, and they introduced to people, and so got introduced to the wrestling company I wanted to work at through a series of interesting stories, and、um, then I、uh, teamed up.、Mm. I, Got introduced to this woman who was a、uh, professional photographer specializing in crossdresses. Oh, okay. So she wanted to take my photograph,、mm-hmm. and so she did, and she put the photos on the internet, and they went viral. Hey, 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 hey! And this was the beginning of the real kind of when I then I bumped the mic again. I'm so sorry when it spiraled up.、Mm-hmm. Right. <sighs> so it is. It is like. Working hard, but also trying to get the right contacts, and then saying yes to opportunities. Yeah, yeah, and also I'd say also if you if you if Lady Beard gives some career and life <laughs> advice,、um, it's one of the things which if I could do it again, I would not necessarily change, but it's one of the things that I would kind of check myself on. Is、um, going through it, I had to be. This whole lady bit thing was so unlikely to work out when、mm. I began it. Right, it was、mm-hmm. just me. I didn't have any help. Didn't have any money to put into it. It was just me working terrible day jobs, living on ramen or whatever cheap food I could get, and then saving what I could to put into the project. Right,、mm-hmm. so it was all kind of you know bootstrapped together.、Um, uh, there was no help or anything. About out of all the people around me, like one had faith in me. Like everyone thought this was a moronic idea. Was that still? Back, sorry, back in Hong Kong or in in Japan?、Uh, in, in Hong Kong, my、mm-hmm. my friend base there and whatnot.、Um, so it meant that the whole time, because I had two years between when I did my Japan tour and then moving to Japan, right?、Mm. So every day of those two years, I had to keep reminding myself of the tour. 
and saying, no, 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 I know this project has the potential. I've seen the demand. None of these people have seen the demand. I know. Mm. And I had to keep reminding myself and keep painting a kind of a future vision of what I was aiming for, mm. right? So now if I could go back and change things again, once I got to Japan, I would have been more open to reaching the goal in a different way from the way I imagined it. Mm -hmm. Because you kind of, you have to approach things with a plan, mm -hmm. but then, you know, that plan might not necessarily be the one that takes you to your goal. Okay. Whilst you're going, okay, this step, this step, this step, this step, something might open up here, which takes you to a totally different direction, but then that brings you closer to your goal anyway. Mm -hmm. So... Um, Lady Beard's advice is whilst your planning is essential and, you know, making a plan or following the plan is essential, remain open-minded to the other possibilities as they appear. So again, it brings us to the yes man kind of mindset. If there's another opportunity, even though it might not be directly what you thought you might want, just give it a go. I think so. Uh, I think just try to, I guess, remain open-minded and flexibly minded. It's hard because on the one level, you don't want to get distracted. You want to remember what you're there for. You want to remember what you're trying to achieve. You keep, you know, focusing on the goal and forging towards the goal every day. But you also want to try and um, remain open to the idea that there's, you know, more than one way to skin a cat and there's more than one way, more than one path to that goal potentially. This is very serious, isn't it? Well, we are very, very, very intriguing and serious episode. But I just find it really interesting to hear about how Lady Beard was forged because it's so easy to just see it as, oh, you're just there and you're famous and you're doing tours and all mm. of that. So mm. it's interesting just how how much melting and breaking down had to happen to get forged into the persona and, and the person that you are now. Yeah. Uh, the interesting thing that people don't see is uh, it, it, like every day over years, just getting up and just consistent hard work every day mm, every the, day the workout the martial arts training all of, all that. of that but then also when i started the project i had to do everything myself so it's me organizing the costumes me organizing my hair and doing the emails and trying to book things and you mm. know uh I, my first yeah the first tour i remember i got to osaka and then like the guest the place i was staying at i get there and the door's locked and i'm like what the oh, hell how do i how do i get in and i'm like back in those days You would ask people to use their phones. You ask strangers if you could use their phones. Oh, Do you remember that? Oh, gosh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, we didn't have smartphones yet. Mm. So if you need to make a phone call, you would ask a stranger, can I use your phone, please? Mm. And Japanese people are so lovely to strangers. They're like, yeah, sure. So I get to this guest house. I'm like, this place is locked. This contact number, I don't have a phone to call them with. Some random lady on the street, I ask her, can I use your phone, please? Put in this number I had written down. No answer. I'm like, God damn, what am I going to do? Mm. Round the corner at a combini, having my sandwich or whatever, going, all right. Just looking at some big, expensive-looking hotel, going, all right, I guess I'm going to have to just spend the money to stay the night there. Then, randomly, that lady, whose phone I had borrowed, she comes to the combini, she's like, oh, you, the person you were calling, called back, here! And so she redials or whatever, and it's the person with the guest house saying, yeah, sorry, I had to leave emergency or something, come back now and I'll let you in. So oh, my God. <laughs> That's so sweet. Oh, but it's lifesaver. These awful moments like that when I'm there with my two gigantic suitcases, I'm all mm. disgusting and sweating and whatnot. You get to the place where you think you're staying at the night, finally you can relax. No, you can't. There's no, no one there. You're like, oh, in a convenient store eating a sandwich, going, I'm just going to have to spend the money I don't have on this hotel, big old hotel. And then it pops up, and now you can go back to your cheap guest house. Mm. So it's, it's interesting because when you get your kind of your moment of fame, like when the photos of me went viral or when um, like my first hit song, Nippon Manju, happened, it 
the image people have is that you fell out of the sky. Yeah, but a lot of people think that. Yeah, they don't see that you've been busting your ass in mm. anonymity for ten years or something. Mm. Mm. Yeah, like there's a lot of grind. Like uh, it's interesting to see that Lady Bit wasn't just like an agency going like, "Oh, you go do this." Mm. It was like very handmade then so you literally you you decided to go with lady beard even against controversies controversies mm. and then you were the one who answered the emails and booked the things and did the costumes all of that so there wasn't a big agenda or anything behind it the start was all handmade yeah wow it was hard man we uh we were doing things in hong kong as well the hong kong wrestling federation was this tiny little back backyard operation so it was things like i did this match we had this uh, match plan. We had a whole storyline leading up to it over several months. I included the storyline in the music shows as well. This, that, all of that was self-produced. We had this big match when we we're putting each other through like tables and and like wooden pallets and things like this. We had to go and make all the tables and the wooden pallets. And wow. Things. So yeah, it's just every day getting up and grinding. Mm. But there people people just see the kind of the viral moment. They go, look at this crazy character. <laughs> they, don't, mm. they, don't, they don't see any of that, right? Now, they shouldn't. That's not the audience's job to see that. I guess so. Until this, like 10 years later, when you tell the story in depth, right? Mm. But um, that's one of the interesting things that... Uh, I've brought to you. Yeah. <sighs> I've brought you here. Any memorable moments you would like to share with us? Uh, I mean, uh, the, the yeah, the memorable moment was when those first set of photos first went viral on the Japanese internet. What were you wearing? Was that your Chun-Li? Uh, no, it was pre-Chun-Li. It was, there was uh, my wrestling bikini, some of those. There mm -hmm. was Meido Fuku, some of those. There was Made. some Seda Fuku. Yay, Sailor. Some of them. Yeah. Um, and there was some photos of me with Seda Fuku Oji-san as well. In oh, yeah, yeah, the yeah. Seda Fuku Oji-san. <laughs> yeah. So when they originally went viral, that was actually the best moment because that was, at that point, I'd already been doing Lady Beard for a good four or five years or something. Mm. And like I say, just been by myself, just, just grinding it out, mm. constantly staying focused on, no, come on, it's going to work and just having faith. So then when that did finally go viral, it was like, oh, I was right. You mm. know, like it was, I wasn't, I wasn't fooling myself. Yep. And it actually has you worked out. You knew Lady Brit was going to do well. Yeah. So that was that was the greatest moment because it was like this whole time I haven't just been wasting my time. I haven't been mm. doing all this for nothing. It actually has resonated the way that I thought it would. How many years of Ladybeard as such, like cross-dressing and being you, mm. until it actually went uh, like viral? How many years were in between and where you were just grinding? Right? Uh... I mean, I guess it depends where you start. From when I, that's okay. The end of 2008 was when the financial crisis happened. I guess partway through 2009 was when I said, all right, this ladybird thing, this is what I'm, this is the vehicle I'm going to pursue. Mm. And then uh, about halfway through 2014 was when I kind of blew up on the internet, started mm. 2014. So mm -hmm. what's that? It's a nine to 14, a good five years of grind. Yeah, yeah, five years of grind and you believed in yourself and here you are. Uh, Five years of grind of like ridiculous things going and, you know, working these day jobs that I really didn't want to do and just you know, living as cheaply as possible in these awful, ah, uh, awful places in Hong Kong, just the cheapest rent you could possibly get so that all the money can be funneled back into the project and whatnot. At one point, I remember before I went on either the Japan tour or the Taiwan tour, my tiny little apartment, the apartment was about half the size of this room. And the whole thing is just, it's just a, it, looked like 
a clown had been shot in there. There's just stuff everywhere. There's dresses and there's like all these props I used Don't for the know, show. Probably. Or, or just nonsense everywhere, right? I've got a photo of it somewhere. It looks ridiculous. But that's, and I have to like climb over all the Ladybeard stuff to get to my bed, which was half covered in Ladybeard stuff as well. And mm-hmm. you know, just, oh, absurd. Romantic stories now. Romantic stories all these years later. But at the yeah, time, you're like, oh, God. Yeah, not now, you know, you know it's what, it was all worth it. Yeah, exactly right. Now, <gasps> now, now it's worth it. Tell us about some cool TV appearances and stuff that you've done then now here in Japan. Um, cool TV appearances, like TV cool events and whatnot. or shows, anything that you're like memorable, memorable Ladybeard moments. Uh, memorable Ladybeard moments. I mean, one of the most memorable ones was the first time I wrestled at uh, Ryogoku Kokugikan. Ooh, so that's the that's big, big that's one. That's the big international, oh, no, international, the big national sumo stadium mm. in Tokyo. Uh, so that was, I think, an audience of 10,000 people. So at the wow. time, that was the biggest audience I'd ever had. I can't even count to 10,000. <laughs> You can in Japanese though, so <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that was pretty cool. Um, obviously, when Nippon Manju went viral, that was cool because now it's the whole world looking at me as opposed to just Japan. Mm-hmm. And then, um, uh, and then going and doing big anime conventions overseas, those have actually been really awesome. There was a moment in 2015, I think, when we did Hyper Japan in London, mm-hmm. and one of my I got a British friend who was also a wrestler. And he had known me in Hong Kong. And so interesting because he came to Hyper Japan and the audience was, I don't know, a thousand or so people, maybe 2,000 something. And it's interesting because we're hanging out a few days later in London. And he goes to me, he goes with his, he goes, it's so interesting because I've gone from seeing you performing in Hong Kong in front of about five people. And now you're performing in front of 2,000 of them. Mm-hmm. And that's something very interesting and amazing to watch. So... Yeah, it's those are kind of the really beautiful moments mm. when someone else can who has not seen that daily grind mm. can go, Do you remember three years ago when you were doing this? And you're like, Oh yes, I do remember, you're right. Yeah, yeah. Those are some of the most beautiful moments I'd say. Ryogoku Khan. Yeah. <sighs> yeah, that was that great. Was a big stage. That was great. I was on TV on uh, I did Downtown Deluxe, which is like the biggest TV show in the country. So that was quite cool. <laughs> quite Ooh, what cool do you do for that? What do you do for Downtown Deluxe? Uh, I was on there with the old group, so it was me and we did whatever pop groups do. And they have the little feature about us, and it's variety TV, and they you know make fun of you and whatnot, and that's what it is. Mm, <laughs> all right, so you come around the the uh, the entertainment scene in Japan <sighs> quite a lot. I, I could yeah. tell actually the the very first time we were working together here on the studio, you're just like, okay, should I count us in? You're like, you were all like so mm. experienced already in everything. You're like, okay, I'm good. I do the count and then we start. So there is so much professionalism behind Lady Beard that most of you can't even grasp how much there is. The professionalism, hard work, dedication. Um, there's so much there and, and probably lots and lots more. So if you would like to find out more about Lady Beard, where can we find you on the Just internet? Just quickly, by the way, I love being interviewed by Kathy Cat. This is fantastic. You are such a giving interviewer, and you are—you um, uh, give me so much praise. It's really beautiful, and you do that in public, which I appreciate very much. When we do the Kathy Cat episode, we are going to dig deep on Kathy Cat, and oh, we are going to find yeah, that's out all, come up sometime. all about Kathy Cat's amazing journey as well. Thank you. I was going to like loot, late, lead straight into your social media, so you can tell more of your story. Maybe I mean, it's—if they haven't figured it out by. 
right now. We're in episode 45 or something of Cat with Beer. I don't know what they're doing here. Um, I mean, hey, your Instagram is gold. If you, if you want to see some of those really cool cosplay pictures and just the random reels that you've recently been making with your with your group, with baby yeah. group it's, it's, just check it out. Don't, oh, uh, yeah, and also make sure you check out Japan Railway Journeys and uh, right. Kathy Cat underbar TV underscore TV. We're now on episode 44. It's Japan Railway Journal. That's what I said. <laughs> just keep saying journeys. Did I, did I say journey? Yes, yes, I you I said do. journal. It's a different program. Did I actually say journey? Yes, I'm so do. sorry. Japan Railway Journal. Oh, it's only a two-letter difference. You would, I'm so sorry. Really? Did I say? I thought I said journal. Did I say journey? I say journal. I said journey. I'm so sorry. Japan Railway Journal, starring Kathy Cat on NHK World, and Kathy Cat underscore TV on the internet, and she streams on Twitch, and uh, she, she's on the Instagram, the Twitter, the uh, Facebooky, the uh, uh, not Facebook now. The the other ones. Twitter, Twitch, Instagram. YouTube and she's um, an excellent interviewer and the host of this podcast exactly this is fantastic you're an excellent interviewer this has been fantastic I mean this is a really wholesome episode now (sighs) it's been really wholesome but look how serious I've gotten through this whole thing I've been sitting here but I find it so interesting just how much hard work went into Lady Bear and I think loads of people don't even know how much hard work went to Lady Bear that apartment and all of that with like just the rats and the uh, rats around the apartment and rats, stuff like that. So that's a, a homeless man. Yeah, didn't you? Didn't fall from the sky. You literally had to grind five Dr- years to get to where you are. Driven by pain and darkness. But hey, pushed forward by it. Pushed forward by it. Forged just you were forged in the fire, but uh, you came out all right. Uh, Mentioning also coming out all right. You're going to Chile soon. <sighs> My group baby beard. We're coming to Chile. We're going to be in Santiago, April 14, 15, 16 at the Movie Star Arena for Gamers City. Come and watch us perform live. Please, if you're in Chile or if you're not in Chile and you want to come to Chile, it's going to be wonderful. Please. Thank yeah, you. I would love to see that. Sounds amazing. It's oh, like it's going to be awesome. Thing as well, you it's a huge esports event, I believe. Huge esports event, yeah. Huge esports event. It's in it's in their stadium. It's in the stadium Sweet. for crying out loud. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be amazing. So oh, go mate. check out Baby Beard. <coughs> Maybe live. live in Chile. Um... Your other social media you want uh, to plug? Ladybeard underscore Japan is the internet. Babybeard underscore Japan is the group's internet. Come and watch us on the internet. Oh, check Cats. out the internet. Kathy Cat on the bunch of you. You already plugged We're me. Done We're done your good. internet. But, 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 check out our YouTube channel. Yeah, hey, and, uh, yeah, check out our YouTube channel. Leave us a comment. Write us a Leave message. Leave us a comments. Yeah, write us questions. some cool comments. Yeah, comments, questions. comments questions. Feedback. Well, how, how did this episode move you? I mean, this is a very emotionally moving episode. I'm sure you guys have got something to say about that. Post it in the comments down below. I've not presented the way I normally present in this episode. Yeah, I've, uh, it's really nice to like peel a little bit behind the layer and see how much hard work goes into Ladybeard. What is interesting, you see, is normally when I have to go through the Ladybeard story, it's normally on like a variety TV or it's the very kind of introductory bit of an interview mm-hmm. and it's like for those who don't know tell us who you are and how you got here so I've got like 20 seconds to condense very all that darkness that we just went through and mm-hmm. also that darkness was you know relatively con- to condense we skipped out most of the detail right so it's um so normally I just go through dot 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 it's like whoa okay and then we go on to the next thing right mm-hmm. so but then when I actually go into the story I got to go back and remember all the, oh, yeah, then this happened. Oh, yeah, then this happened. Oh, that's right. And then this happened. Oh, yeah, then he did that. Oh, yeah, then that happened. It's like, <laughs> but hey, remember, now, remember, now we've summoned up quite a lot of the the, yeah. heart, the, the fires he had to walk through. I remember when, so when I was doing uh, 
right before the first Japan tour because I had to get all these new songs made. I had to get Japanese songs made. I was、mm-hmm. singing Cantonese and Mandarin songs up until that point. And then, like, two weeks before the tour, my musician who was making the tracks for me, because I can't play guitar or anything, so I had to hire someone to make tracks for me. His computer broke, and we just lost all the data. No. And I'm like, <sighs> there's a lot of, a lot of. I've got, I've got all these shows booked, which was really difficult to do from elsewhere without being able to speak Japanese. It was so hard, but I finally got these bookings organized and I had hotels booked and I had flights. And I was like, okay, cool. I've only got 14 days. I need to make sure. And then, then all the, the whole concept upon which the tour relies is gone. Like,、ah! bro. Oh, man. What did you do? How did you retrieve it? Uh, uh, I didn't have to get a new musician and work fast to hit the deadline and make it on time. And you did, we did, yeah. yeah. Um, <sighs> well, Ladybird didn't fall out of the size guy. Lots and lots and lots of hard work, dedication, not giving、I'm、up, and knack- discipline that's the word I was going to say. A lot of discipline. Knackered,、oh, look、so. how knackered I am for、yeah, going through like, this. I'm knackered, mate. Like, Just going through the memories. Let's let's get it. Let's get a quick break in. Let's end this episode. Thank you for watching Cat with Beer Experience, and this time I'll be happier. Yeah, look good. <laughs> <laughs> Leave some cool comments in、ah. the YouTube channel or check out also our Twitter if you want to be updated when a new episode comes out as a podcast or on YouTube. Thank you so much for sharing. We'll see you again for uh, probably uh, more, um, uh, a less in depth and a more、uh, ha- uh, 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 kawaii and genki episode. Kawaii and genki episode of Cat.